0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer, here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Almendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. John Frame, Professor Emeritus of Systematic Theology and Philosophy, Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando. Uh, Dr. Frame, it's an honor to have you on with us today.
1: Good to be with you, Dan, and with your
0: listeners. One of the subjects that sometimes comes up in discussions among people, I sometimes even see it on Facebook is the topic of um, man's free will. And um, I thought, well, that would be a great topic for Dr. Frame. I'm wondering if we can talk about that a little bit, and also about the uh, biblical doctrine of man's total inability uh, before a holy God. So to get us started, uh, Dr. Frame, does man have um, a free will?
1: Well, yes, that depends on how you define free will there are various ideas one idea that's uh, sometimes called libertarian is the idea that uh, when i make a free choice uh, there's nothing that constrains me at all so uh, in fact uh, even I, i'm not even constrained by my own nature so that uh, when i make a free choice i could just as easily have made the opposite one It seems to me that on that view of free will, our free choices are almost like uh, random events or chance. They just uh, happen, and uh, nobody has any control over them. Uh, I don't think that the Bible teaches that, although that's a very common way of thinking about free will. I think the Bible teaches what is sometimes called compatibilism, that is, when we make a free choice... We're doing what we want to do. That's the meaning of freedom, that we're not blocked in our choices by something that keeps us from doing them. So when I make a free choice, I make it because there's no barrier that keeps me from making that choice. I choose it because I'm able to do what I want to do at that point.
0: It kind of reminds me when I get a urge to um, have some ice cream. I go to the refrigerator and I look at my belly and I think, oh, maybe I shouldn't have this, but then <laughs> my desire for the ice cream takes over and I just freely choose some ice cream.
1: <laughs> yes, well, now some people would say that uh, if you're... Uh, Desire constrains you, that it's not really free, but uh, I don't think most of us would look at free will that way.
0: <laughs> now, uh, there's more profound um, considerations around free will. Uh, I like what you'd said about compatibilism, that we do what we want to do. It seems like um, to better understand free will and how it relates to. Uh, man's total inability. It has to do with this this word want, or this idea of wanting to do what is right.
1: Right. Mm -hmm.
0: What do the scriptures teach regarding man's total inability, and how does that relate to free will?
1: Well, total inability has to do with our ability to do what is good, so that, uh, of course, God tells us always to do what is good and to avoid... Uh, what is evil, but uh, the Bible also tells us that the human race has fallen uh, because of uh, Adam's disobedience to God when uh, Adam took the forbidden fruit. And that condition, uh, Adam got himself into a condition where he couldn't uh, do anything good after that. And uh, that inability to do anything good has been passed on to his descendants, so that all of us in the human race uh, have the same problem.
0: Yeah. Sometimes um, when there's a a new believer, perhaps, uh, we may say, well, um, you may want to spend some time in the Gospel of John and read the Gospel of John. Does the Gospel of John, as you read it through, does that help our understanding regarding uh, man's relationship to God and his ability to choose God?
1: Well, uh, yes, the uh, Gospel of John, of course, uh, talks about uh, the importance of uh, choosing Christ. He who has the Son has life, and he who has not the Son does not have life. And It talks about how we're in bondage to sin, and uh, uh, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Mm So uh, that's... uh, that's moral freedom and that's uh, our, our ability to do something good and we can't have any ability to do what is good unless uh, uh, unless we receive it from Jesus Christ.
0: Is there a um, maybe it would help us this is like an onion with the layers and unwrapping the layers peeling them. It seems there's an order of salvation as God deals with us. Can you can you describe that a little bit?
1: Salvation begins uh, back in eternity past, uh, because in Ephesians, uh, uh, Paul tells us that we are in Christ before the foundation of the world. So uh, even before God created us, and I know this sounds strange, but uh, even before God created us, he was planning to save us from sin and from its consequences, So that's called election uh, or predestination. Then, of course, uh, after we're born and born into sin, uh, we have various experiences of this life which bring us to uh, the salvation that comes in Jesus Christ. So the Bible talks about uh, effectual calling, for example. This is where God... uh, Summons us from our sinful life and uh, uh, calls us into fellowship with Jesus. Then, of course, there is uh, regeneration, which is the new birth, which comes from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us a new heart, a heart that doesn't want to commit sin anymore, but wants to serve uh, the Lord. And so. Regeneration brings a transformation of life. It uh, brings a new life. And then uh, there's also uh, justification, uh, which means that uh, uh, we are placed on, uh, we are declared to be uh, innocent before God. Before uh, we were standing in God's courtroom uh, uh, guilty for all of our sins. And in justification, uh, God declares us uh, to be righteous again and brings us into relationship with Christ. And since Christ is eternally righteous and perfectly righteous, uh, and uh, if we're in Him, uh, God considers us to be perfectly righteous too. And then... uh, there is also uh, adoption where uh, the Bible speaks of uh, God drawing us into his own family, making us his own sons and daughters, and there is sanctification where uh, the Spirit works within us to transform our our hearts and give us uh, good desires and save us from temptation and a long vocabulary of terms that indicate the various phases of what God does when he brings somebody from uh, from sin into uh, salvation.
0: Yes, people might think, well, why are you guys talking about this? It's the season of Advent. Uh, we should be talking about Christmas. But um, with Christmas, uh, Jesus comes as the Savior for the world, and all of these considerations come to bear upon it. And uh, so thanks for that. Um Going back to the Gospel of John for a little bit more, um, you mentioned the Father's effectual calling for his people, and I came across a verse, John six thirty seven, that talks about, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Is that one of the uh, texts that help explain this effectual calling?
1: Yes, well, uh, God uh, gave, uh, if you're saved, if you're a member of the body of Christ, God gave you to Jesus as his gift. Uh, God gave you to Jesus even back before the foundation of the world. So uh, if God has given you to Jesus, then it's inevitable that uh, you will come to Jesus Mm. uh, by your free will, in fact, because you'll want to come to Jesus. Uh, uh, God will put that desire into your heart, and everyone who... uh, uh, the Father has given me, says Jesus, will come to me, and he who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. That's the next uh, part of that verse. And so, uh, if you come to Jesus, uh, then your uh, uh, eternal salvation is guaranteed. You can't, uh, uh, God will not cast you out. You will always be uh, his son or his daughter.
0: And that's a a blessed explanation. (laughs) Um, we have a lot to be thankful for as Christians, that God has reached down in Christ into our lives and, and done this wonderful work for us. Um, when man is born into this world, uh, men and women, Paul in, in Romans talks about there's none righteous, um, there's none who seeks after God. Uh, that almost seems a bit harsh. Can you help us better appreciate man's state before a holy God.
1: Yes, well, it certainly brings us down a peg or two. Uh, <laughs> there's no room for pride uh, uh, before God, uh, uh, because we're fallen in Adam, uh, uh, we want to do wrong. Uh, and Paul spends a lot of time in the book of Romans talking about how all the uh, Gentiles, the non-Jews, are guilty of sin, that's chapter one, and then chapter two, he talks about how the Jews are guilty of sin, and then chapter three, he uh, broadens it still more to say that uh, there is none righteous, no, not one, there is not one person that seeks after God, and of course uh, what uh, Paul is uh, aiming to show is that the only hope that we have is in Jesus Christ, Mm so that it's uh, through Him that we uh, have uh, uh, hope of avoiding the penalty of sin and all of the uh, uh, consequences of sin.
0: Mm. Is there um, <laughs> we each think back to our own conversion, maybe, and, and some maybe from their childhood. All they've known is, is is the Lord's mercies and kindness and their love for Him, but— for many, there's a, there's a point in time where something kind of drastic happens, and you realize, oops, I must repent of my sins. And yet, who's actually the first mover there? Um, everything we're reading and talking about today, it, it implies one side moves first.
1: Yes, well, Jesus said to his disciples, uh, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And, of course, uh, the disciples did make a choice when uh, Jesus said, follow me, and they got up and followed him. But uh, uh, when Jesus says, uh, you did not choose me, but I chose you, that means that uh, he chose them first, uh, that they chose him because he first chose them to be part of his uh, uh, group of believers. And so that's the way it is with everybody. We all... Uh, come to a point in life where we say, Yes, Jesus, I want to belong to you, I want to follow you. But uh, the people who who say yes to Jesus are the ones that God has already said yes to, (laughs) even back before the foundation of the world, as I noted a few minutes ago.
0: So it's a really gracious thing when I think about the Bible describes me as being dead in my trespasses and sins, and dead men don't choose Christ. So there's something that's happened. Um, this is phenomenally gracious and wonderful to think that this new birth really is that. It's it's, it's bringing forth life from like a corpse, I guess.
1: That's right. Uh, the things that the Bible says about our sin are, are really horrible. You know, you go back to... Genesis 6-5, uh, speaking of the tremendous wickedness of the people that were alive at that time, and it says uh, uh, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And uh, you think of all those words there that just leave us with no hope at all. Uh, every imagination, even the smallest uh, thought, that we have is only evil. No, not one trace of good. Only evil continually. There's, there's no respite. It just keeps on going, and uh, so there are all kinds of verses like that scattered through the, the scriptures. People sometimes say, well, uh, Genesis six five was written about the, the flood, but uh, then in Genesis eight, after the flood, it says the same thing. It says that the God will not uh, destroy the earth with water again, because the heart of man is evil from his youth. So uh, that shows the kind of situation that we're in, apart from the grace of God and Jesus Christ.
0: Mm. Today we're talking with Dr. John Frame, Professor Emeritus of Systematic Theology and Philosophy of RTS, Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando. Dr. Frame, as students come into the seminary, do they struggle over the Bible's teaching of um, God choosing a people versus thinking that maybe an exalted sense of man's free will?
1: Yes, well, uh, I teach at Reformed Theological Seminary, and of course uh, the word Reformed indicates a Calvinistic understanding of the uh, Bible teaching here, uh, Reformed and Presbyterian, and of course uh, within that confessional alignment we've always believed that God is sovereign and that God's uh, choice precedes our choice. People sometimes say, well that means we don't have any choice, and uh, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we do have a choice, but God's choice comes first, and God is always in control.
0: Yeah, so it's it's not a fatalism, is it?
1: No, uh, God uh, uh, chooses to do things by the agency of human beings. Mm-hmm. He chooses to do things uh, by uh, making it possible for us to make a choice. Without God's action, uh, there, that possibility doesn't exist. Without that uh, uh, action, we can't uh, choose anything good as uh, Paul says in Romans 8, uh, they who are in the flesh cannot please God. So Mm -hmm. there's no way that we can do what uh, uh, God wills uh, unless God uh, equips us to make that choice. Mm -hmm. I think most of the students who come here... Uh, are expecting that teaching because, of course, we advertise that we are Reformed and we advertise that we are Presbyterian. There would be a few students who uh, find that a little bit hard to take, but uh, for the most part, when they hear the Word of God, when they they are taught uh, about what uh, God's Word says, uh, uh, they are able to accept this teaching, even though it's kind of a hard teaching for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, that's what I was kind of getting at. It, it is hard. This um, idea comes out of the Scripture. If we separated the word reform from it, it would just naturally flow from it anyway. The doctrine of uh, this total inability, really it, it, it does teach us that people are not by nature inclined to love God with their whole heart, mind, and strength as he requires. So then it takes uh, God moving on behalf of us and and basically um, taking away the scales of our eyes and helping us to see the forgiveness that's available in Jesus Christ and bringing us to himself. At that point, our want does change. You mentioned that early on. our The want in our heart actually changes, doesn't it?
1: That's right. When we're, uh, uh, before we're saved, of course, uh, we don't want to please God, but uh, as uh, God uh, shows forth his grace and sends his spirit into our heart, uh, that creates a new desire that we didn't have before. Mm.
0: So if we have a desire for Jesus, if we want to uh, seek him out, it's um, very strong evidence that God has been working on our heart. Oh, yes. Yeah. Very much so. So people should be encouraged if today they... They say, you know, I've been hearing about this Jesus, and I've been thinking about it because it's the so-called Advent season and Christmas, and there's got to be a whole lot more than just Santa Claus and giving gifts. There's something more. There's something extremely radical that's happened in history with this baby coming to a manger. And, And today we've been talking about basically the words of Jesus where he says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So yes. that that that's how it works I guess that that the father yes. draws
1: yes the idea that god would come in the human flesh uh to uh be born in a manger that's such an extraordinary story and you'd think that uh, that that couldn't happen unless there's a very important reason for it and the reason that there is is that here god is making a move toward us uh, to uh, save people from their sins and make it uh, enable us to uh, uh, desire the things that he desires. And that really is the full meaning of Christmas.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, after a person comes into this wonderful relationship with God and Christ, they don't become sinlessly perfect, do they?
1: No, they don't. Uh there's... Uh, uh, still, a sin re- that remains. It's a process. It's a it's a progressive change that begins, and that's a wonderful thing that it has a beginning, and uh, that that beginning leads to such incredible changes. But uh, but uh, of course, there are things, uh, uh, habits that we've acquired in our o- old life that uh, don't leave us right away, and so we need to keep coming back. God, asking forgiveness of our sins uh, on the basis of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, asking God to send His Spirit into our hearts and, and strengthen us uh, uh, to uh, build up that, that new life, to build up that desire to uh, uh, live as uh, according to God's commands.
0: Mm. Sometimes people probably are surprised by a sin that pops out of nowhere, seemingly, and takes them by surprise.
1: Yes, I think that's true. Uh, Sometimes people uh, might think that they've overcome uh, a sinful habit or a sinful uh, tendency to act, and uh, uh, then uh, Satan surprises them. Because we've got, we do sometimes get complacent. We think, well, all right, that's uh, we've gotten rid of that. Now let's go on to something else. But uh, uh, to uh, grow in Christ uh, means that uh, we need to give constant attention to uh, all areas of life. And. Uh, Uh, Sin can pop up in any area of life, but uh, uh, we need to be prepared for that, and we need to uh, be uh, always ready to uh, fall on uh, God's mercy, uh, the grace of God and Jesus Christ.
0: Mm. So we, uh, like Paul says, we reckon ourselves to be dead to sin. We need to be on guard, I guess, to uh, make sure that sin doesn't reign in our body, uh, like it perhaps did in the past, and uh, just just always be on guard. That's right. Well, today we've been talking with Dr. John Frame, Professor Emeritus of Systematic Theology and Philosophy, and uh, there's that word emeritus in there, so Dr. Frame, tell us uh, what's in the future for you.
1: Well, I uh, will be retiring from seminary teaching as of uh, June twenty seventeen and uh after that uh, things are a little bit up in the air. We uh there's another ministry that uh, uh some of us in our family are talking about and uh, we might get involved in that. That might take a a move to another part of the country, or it may uh, mean doing something locally uh, right here in central Florida. Mm -hmm. As you see, I'm very uncertain about it, and (laughs) I don't want to say anything very definite at this point.
0: No. Well, I guess you're normal. Um, (laughs) We just, uh, we don't know what the future holds, but we just take a step at a time and trust the Lord. Well, Dr. Frame, thank you for joining us today. It's been a real honor.
1: Thank you, Dan. I always enjoy talking to you.
0: And dear listener, please tune us in next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. And this broadcast is up on our website as a podcast. Please check it out. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. And may God richly bless you today.